I think it is very true. The energy that you put off, obviously, is the energy you get back. And you can call it karma, you can call it the cycle of life, you can call it whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it is true. Like, you know, everything that we do, everything that we put off into this universe comes back around. And, like, if you have the right intentions and you try to manifest, you know, you really just continue to put those thoughts out into the universe. I mean, it just might happen. Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys Podcast, and happy Halloween. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I bring back Austin Maynard to the show. Austin is a paranormal experimentalist based in Bryan, Ohio, and the founder of the Underground Paranormal Network. Currently, Austin is staying busy coming up with experiments to use on the show Deathwalker with Nick Groff, as they're currently working on Season 4. Our conversation ranges from some of the equipment Austin has been experimenting with lately, to an intense experience he had while investigating Bobby Mackey's, and Austin even answers some great listener-submitted questions. With today being Halloween, I even included a little bonus in today's episode. When I initially interviewed Austin last year, I caught something strange in his audio while editing the episode. After asking him the question on if he's ever had a spirit or entity attach itself to him after an investigation, it almost sounds like someone or something is there with him while he's responding. I don't want to definitely call it paranormal, but it's eerie nonetheless. So stick around until the end of the episode to hear that raw, unedited clip of Austin's isolated audio feed. It's faint, but give it a listen on some good speakers and see if you hear anything weird. Given the content of this episode, it's a little hard to sit back and relax like usual. So get ready to question the world around you, and maybe sleep with the light on tonight, as we dive into Austin Maynard's journey in the paranormal world. All right, Austin, welcome back to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me tonight. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on again. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, I just had to bring you back on because, I mean, we're in the midst of spooky season and we had such a great conversation in a previous two-part episode all about your involvement in the paranormal world. And to anyone listening who hasn't checked it out, check out Austin Maynard's Journey with the Underground Paranormal Network Part 1 and 2. And since we covered a lot of ground in those episodes, I want to catch up on what you've been up to since then and hopefully squeeze in a couple listener-submitted questions because I got some pretty good ones. Okay. Now, I see you're currently working on something with Nick Groff, who was the lead investigator on the TV series Paranormal Lockdown and a previous co-investigator on Ghost Adventures. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been up to in that regard? Uh, yeah, well, um, I'm just... Uh... Right now, I'm actually getting ready for season four. We're about to start filming on October 24th. Um, so I got to go up to New York uh, for four days for the first two episodes, basically, and then yeah, then I get a little break until November 1st, and then we. I mean, basically, we're going to be filming ten episodes in uh, about a month. Mm -hmm. Wow! So we'll be going. It's about like every two or three days we'll be at a new location and then uh, we'll be done right before Thanksgiving. But um, I really what I, all I'm doing is like uh, I, I'm coming up with the experiments that Nick uses on the show uh, at these locations. And um, 
but it's really, it, it becomes a little difficult after so long because it's like I have to have a new experiment for every episode and I can't like reuse or like re do an experiment twice. I have to do make it a new thing every single time. And the kicker is that it cannot have been seen on TV before. Hmm. Gotcha. That, that's what makes it a little more, uh, <laughs> a little more challenging, I guess. <laughs> no, for sure. And what was that show again? Uh, Death Walker with Nick Groff. Perfect. Yeah. No, I figured that was the case, but just wanted to double check and verify that. But no, that's a, that's wild though. And that's a pretty demanding, uh, shooting schedule. All things considered to fit 10 episodes in, in that, that time frame. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's pretty demanding. <laughs> yeah. It's not really as bad as, uh, it sounds though. I mean, yeah, we go hard for like a month, but then like we won't film again until the spring. Yeah. And then, uh, we take the summer off and then we start shooting again in the fall. It's kind of, that's how it kind of works. So like we get plenty of time off in between, uh, the 10 episodes, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And I know in our last conversation in the previous episodes, you define yourself as more of a paranormal experimentalist, which it sounds like you're still up to that in that regard. Now, oh. is there any uh, is there any equipment you've been working with lately in particular that has been getting a great response or stuff you've been really like working with lately? Um, well, I've been doing a lot of uh, custom builds of uh, like I call they're called ghost boxes, like uh, scanning radios. I kind of just sweep back and forth really fast. Um, so I've been doing a lot of these custom builds for people. Like I made a, um, a mystery machine into a ghost box, one of the little toy mystery machines. <laughs> I made, uh, I even made the Ghostbusters car, the Ecto one. I made that. Oh yeah. Did, no, I saw that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, made that. <laughs> I did some, uh, I did some ventriloquist dummies. And so like, those are really what have been selling more than anything. And actually right now I'm working on a dollhouse. Which is, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> which is the first for me, but it's kind of, it's going to be a project, but it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's coming along. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. But actually, one thing I just put together today, um, like all the experiments that we got to do on the show are, uh, you know, unique, but somehow related to ITC, right? Mm -hmm. So I have this, uh, have you ever heard of something called the Rochester Cloak? No, I haven't actually. So the Rochester Cloak is basically a series of four lenses that the uh, University of Rochester came up with. And uh, basically when you look through these lenses and you put something small in the middle of the four lenses, it, it basically cloaks itself. Like the background does not change when you look all the way through. And you can see that the item in the middle is like cutting through the lenses, but you can't see it. Hmm. So like it's creating this cloaking effect on a small scale, but mm -hmm. still it's creating this cloaking effect. And so my thought was, okay, so I'm going to set this up and I actually got all of them on uh, servos mm -hmm. and a servo motor is like a, it's an Arduino uh, motor that just kind of turns back and forth. And so I got them all hooked, uh, lined up perfectly and i'm having them uh turn back and forth at a it's a it's repetitive it's consistent it's, it's just constant rate and uh i'm going to see what happens there's a couple of different things i could do with that actually like i could take um a laser like i could just take a really high powered green laser and i can shoot it in through all of them and it'll make like the whole it'll do like this light show all across the room 
which is kind of cool in itself. You add it in a fog machine, and it's like you, you could have a rave if you had some music. <laughs> but um, then I, you can also look through it. Um, I'm also I'm considering putting like a, a scanning TV or something at the end of the lenses and seeing if maybe the distortion from the lenses can show us something. I don't know, you know. That's an interesting concept because that just got me thinking because. I mean, you mentioned it before, too, about ghost box and spirit box and whatnot. And the basic idea behind them is that it's scanning radio frequencies that are, you know, at a rapid speed yeah. or randomized, too, to where hypothetically spirits or, or entities can manipulate that to make a voice or a couple words or something come through. But that's really interesting to essentially do that same thing, but to a TV or experiment with that to possibly get a visual. No, I, I, uh, I dig yeah. the uh, theory behind that. <laughs> yeah, we, um, I mean, because, and really, because there's no uh, digital TV, sta- or no analog TV stations anymore, you got to have the digital converter. Right. So you can't just get up with, a, with the antenna that's attached onto those portable TVs. And so if you're just sweeping the, the UHF and the VHF and the VLF and all that, you're just sweeping those back and forth, you shouldn't get anything, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there was one hmm. thing I actually, uh, <laughs> it's kind of nuts. And I know, um, I mean, I'll have to, like, send you the picture of it. But there was a time where I did a, uh, I did, like, one of those uh, rapid fire, like, burst shots mm-hmm. on, your, on your phone camera where you just take, like, rapid fire. Oh, yeah. And so it was kind of like a frame by frame of this thing scanning, right? Mm-hmm. And in one of the pictures, I actually, like, zoomed in, like, really far for some reason. I can't remember why I did it, but I actually saw the word high. Oh. In, like, like super, super tiny. Like, you have to zoom as far in as you can go, and you can see it, and it says high. Hmm. And I'm like, what? Like, okay, that's, that's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so I haven't looked fully into this at all. I've just kind of heard different stories about it, but... You ever hear about the instance to where a person was basically communicating with a spirit with with Polaroid pictures? He would like ask a question, take a snap, yeah. you know, uh, snap a picture with his Polaroid camera, and then there would be some sort of like answer on the the film, like written out. And I just, it's it's yeah. There's like a whole thing behind it. I'll have to link it in the show notes and stuff like that. But yeah. it just made me think of that, and that's that's just wild to think of as a form of communication, really. There's a great paranormal podcast called Monsters Among Us where I first heard about this phenomenon involving ghost writing on Polaroid film, and it can be heard on Season 14, Episode 3. I provided a link in the show notes to videos that describe the ghost writer's case more in depth, and if you follow Juxtapose Journeys on social media, you can see the photo that Austin is referring to that he captured. Do you see the message in his photo as well? The parallel between both cases is truly intriguing. I actually just sent you the picture. <laughs> on your messenger. Okay, yeah, yeah, please send it my way. <laughs> I actually got it boxed off, so, like, when you go in and you see it, you can see it in there. It's like, what the heck? Like, yeah, oh, crazy. God, I I love that kind of stuff for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the Ghost Box dolls and everything you've been working on, too, because I was scrolling through your Facebook and looking at those, and those are... Those are awesome. Those are insane. Uh, and it looks like you did you collaborate with uh, Long Gone Dolls? It looks like for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, Terry Long. She um she does mm-hmm. some great work. Like she does that for like kind of artistic, kind of creepy looking dolls. Yeah, she'll take an antique doll and then paint it and make it up to make it look like it's been like it just came out of Chernobyl or something. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. 
basically, I, I built the first ventriloquist dummy for somebody up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then he, or then she saw it, and she was like, "You know, I like this." And when I saw her say that, I was like, "All right, you already know, you already know what we're about to do, right?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> because cause she's been <laughs> on dolls thing for a while, and if she likes the dolls, and then it's like, okay, well, if you get if we can get some more of these dolls, and I'll put a ghost box in them, and you paint them up, and have a long gone doll ghost box. Yeah. No, for sure. No, those, those look incredible. I mean, just, uh, you know, the visuals of them and everything and yeah. And, and that's what I was gathering from is that's essentially what they are is there are ghost boxes inside of a doll. It's basically the doll is the the ghost box. So that's a really interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, I mean, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. Now, if uh, if someone is looking to, I guess, dabble into the paranormal field, what would you recommend that they start with equipment-wise? Uh, equipment-wise, I would say probably uh, I would get a ghost box, a, a custom ghost box, not one from mm-hmm. the, the website. <laughs> right. And I would probably get a simple recorder. Mm-hmm. Like, you could go to Walmart or whatever and get just, like, an Olympus or whatever. It's not good. It doesn't have to be super expensive, but something to record the sessions with. And then, I don't know, I think I would start there. Yeah. And then, obviously, as you go along, you can get, like, into the REM pods and all this different, all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a real, I'm not a real big believer on the stuff that you see on TV. Like, I think it's very limited. Yeah. I try to take all of that way further than they ever take it on tv so you know it's i i just recommend everybody trying to find their own path when it comes to the communication but definitely start with a ghost box and a recorder i think yeah for sure and actually when i interviewed the tennessee wraith chasers on here well actually the just the wraith chasers now but yeah, when i interviewed yeah. them on here that's uh pretty much what they recommended too is just to get a simple recorder and it's it's wild what you can capture and what you can do with literally just a a voice recorder <laughs> exactly yeah no and i mean if you really want to get tricky you know if you um anybody that plays guitar knows what guitar pedals can do oh for sure so like you want to start you know looping things distorting things like playing the ghost box live through these pedals or you know playing your recorder back live through these pedals Mm-hmm. and make them do all kinds of weird things we don't know where the manipulation happens mm-hmm. so like where i mean do, does it happen after like does it happen uh between this pedal and this pedal does it happen when it comes into the recorder or does it happen after it leaves the recorder you know stuff like that mm-hmm. like we don't really know the answer to so like everything is just experimental everything like you just got to play around with it i try to create chaos in a way like audio chaos, audio <laughs> and video chaos, because there's something about the randomness. Oh, yeah. Like, random is where most uh, true ITC heads like to look, is because, um, you know, mm-hmm. if there's randomness and there's no pattern, like, we can, it's, it's almost like uh, debunking something before we even have the chance to debunk it, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, um, randomizing is definitely huge in the, the paranormal world. And actually, <laughs> speaking of chaos, I was just listening to your episode on the Old World Paranormal Podcast. And on there, you were talking about a pretty crazy experience you had at 
Bobby Mackey's in Kentucky, and that that got you more interested in the paranormal world, and it got me really curious too. Can you can you talk a little bit about that experience there? Oh yeah, that was my first uh, ghost hunt. Actually, that was um, I, I, that was actually my, the Nick Groff tour event. That was the first time I met Nick. Me and my wife went, uh, and uh, and and yeah, it was our first event actually. It was the first time we did any kind of like actual ghost hunt like that, and uh, we were down in the basement uh, in this a room called the Room of Faces, which is like right off of where the uh, the well is, the portal to hell or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, my back was up against the wall. Actually, me and her were both like up against the wall, maybe five inches away, you know. And uh, I felt like two hands on my back like pushed me forward with a lot of force, like it was enough to make me stumble forward. And uh, Colleen caught me, like she, uh, you know, kept me from falling. And I actually ran into this other couple uh, that was like right next to us uh, or like a little in front of us. But um, yeah, like I, I don't know if I've ever been like as shocked or as, uh, you know, just kind of taken back by what just happened. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just like, holy shit, this just happened. <laughs> right. <That> happened. <laughs> Jeez, no, that's that's insane, and that's such a crazy place to start for your uh, paranormal journey. Because I mean, anybody who's familiar with the paranormal world, I mean, Bobby Mackey's is a a big deal. I mean, that's a very notable, very highly charged, active place. (laughs) That's what they say. Um, I don't know. I I have not had the same experiences outside of that. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't had the same experiences. So, like, I, it's hard for me to say that. Okay. But I think the place has kind of been beaten to death with a stake. Like, um, different team, different yeah. day, same questions. You know what I mean? Like, how many years is us going to put up with being asked what their name was and how did he die? And You know what I mean? Like, I would imagine if I was a ghost, mm-hmm. I would get sick of that shit. <laughs> like, I would be like, uh-uh. I told you that <laughs> like 50 times already. You know, go ask the last team that was here. <laughs> go talk to them about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting way to look at it. I do, yeah, like I, I wonder how it is from a ghost perspective. It's like, God, I get asked this question like every time someone comes in. Like, right. I mean, <laughs> you imagine if they get annoyed with, with all the, the questions and everything too. <laughs> well, I would imagine like, if we're, and we're thinking about this logic, right? Logically. Yeah. Like, I would imagine that just like if somebody were to continue to come into our place of work or something, right? Like if we go in a place of work and they ask me the same damn questions they asked me like yesterday, <laughs> just a different person asking me the same damn question. I mean, even if like, if you've ever been, uh, worked in a call center before, then you know how oh, yeah. just killer <laughs> it is to hear the same damn shit and to deal with the same thing every day. <laughs> And it's like, you don't, it's not doing anything for you because you're still there and, you know, they go and another team comes in. It's almost like you're being put in a show or like you're trying to put on a show for these people or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's just thinking about it like logically, I guess, you know, if I were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. No. It, and it makes sense for sure. Like, uh, I know that <laughs> that logic definitely checks out. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, um, so I actually tried something new prior to this interview, and we talked about it a little bit in the pre-recorded conversation. So yeah. I put out on social media that I was interviewing. All I said was that I'm interviewing someone in the paranormal field and to submit any questions that they had. And people came through with some really solid questions and honestly made my job a heck of a lot easier. So <laughs> um, I'm going to grab a couple of those and run through them because, uh, yeah, no, they, yeah. they came up with some great ones. So one was, have you ever felt like your life was in danger while investigating? Um, and this, I don't know, I guess outside the Bobby Mackey, or the Bobby Mackey experience or anything like that? No, no, I've never felt like my life was in danger. I, I think that people get this, um, like, uh, perception of the paranormal as, like, what they see in the movies, you know, like, someone's going to come and drag right. me across the floor, or, you know, throw me across the room or something, or possess me, you know, mm-hmm. and honestly, like, in my now seven years of doing this, and although it's only been seven years, I think of it as how many investigations have I, do I have under my belt, how many things have I done, how many things that I experienced in these seven years. And I mean, it's, it's comparable to a lot of people that have been in the field for 20 plus years, you know, but uh, Mm -hmm. I have never had anything, any physical harm done to me outside of, you know, I mean, yeah, I was pushed in Bobby Mackey's and I think I got a scratch one time in my life, Mm -hmm. gotten scratched once. And I've, I think I may have had, you know, just kind of like been uh, in a disoriented place. I did that at, that was at Ohio State Reformatory. Um, I was in a place where, like, I I felt like I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask questions, I shouldn't say anything kind of deal. But, like, I've never felt in any kind of physical or other kind of danger. Because I really don't think it's as, uh, it's not as scary as everybody thinks it is. It's more like fishing. It's like fishing in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. No, that's honestly a, a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're just throwing your questions out there and uh, hoping you get a bite. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that, that's a yeah, really good point. That's a really uh <laughs> really good analogy for it. Now, um, this one's a little more heavy-handed, but I just had to include it because I think it is a really good question. Um, so this is another listener-submitted question. Do you think it's it's common to see loved ones after they pass, or do you think it's just grief manifesting into what we want to see? Ooh, that is a good question. <laughs> I know. I was just like, that's a better question I could have come up, come up with. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I I don't I don't know. I think it could be a, <laughs> uh, I think it could be a combination of both. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. there are. I think. Um, Honestly, it, it almost, I always wonder sometimes, like, if our um, intentions, our wants, our wishes, like, can can actually manifest or make something happen. Mm-hmm. Like, whether, you know, even, um, like, for instance, there's a, I think we talked about the study of radionics last time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, radionics is all about intentional energy, like, being able to focus and amplify those intentions that you want. And um, speaking with a guy by the name of Jay Prather, J.W. Prather, he's actually working on something uh, called that he calls Project Worldgate. But the Project Worldgate is based on the Gateway Process, which is a program that was recently declassified by the CIA. Um, and it's basically talking about being able to achieve hemisync, 
which is syncing both the left and right hemispheres of your brain, and being able to, in a sense, travel somewhere, like whether that's mm-hmm. astral projection or, uh, you know, interdimensional, I don't know. And um, Jay's actually been working on a project. Like the, the document that was released was 32 pages. Hmm. And uh, page 25, of course, was missing. And every a lot of <laughs> all the other pages were pretty redacted, but there was enough information in there minus page 25. Now, page 25 apparently had all of the equations and was not redacted at all. It had all of the formulas. It had all of the um, conditions needed uh, or conditions required to produce this. It had all the exact frequencies, and, like, it was pretty much how to conduct the experiment. And Jay basically Mm -hmm. took took that and set it up as a giant experiment over at the uh, Conjuring House, which is the the house on um, the Farm Top Road, mm-hmm. the one that the Conjuring movie is based on. Yep. Like, it's that exact house. <laughs> like, they set it up over there, and um, apparently, like, all six of the participants who are, like, big, burly hunter, like, you know, they're going hunting for deer type of guys, they do not fear anything, and they came out of that completely, like, completely changed. Like, their minds mm-hmm. like, completely changed. They were, one of them was crying. One of them was scared to death because he says he saw Satan. But then other people, there was a couple of people that said that, uh, you know, they went and saw their uh, their daughter or their sister or something, uh, like, 1,200 miles away. They could see him in their bedroom like sitting in their bed reading or something, you know, it's like, like there's some of those things that, uh, Oh, there was even one guy that said that he couldn't even like comprehend what he saw. So like, he couldn't even describe it in the right way. Like, like it was something beyond our ability to comprehend. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I was actually listening to a podcast episode earlier today where you're talking about this and it was like, breaking my brain but it was it was really interesting to like hear it's it like blowing my mind that podcast episode i'm referring to is episode 30 of the old world paranormal podcast if you wanted to look into that like if you just google gateway process you'll find the pdf document that was released that on wikileaks okay you know and you can see you can see you can kind of read through it a little bit and see what exactly it entails obviously there's a lot of redacted information and you know, the page missing, but um, a lot of the stuff kind of talks about what they're trying to accomplish with this. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very interesting to read about. And like their whole, the fact that the CIA actually, you know, spent money to make this happen or to experiment with this kind of thing is, you know, I mean, that's, that must mean that, that, that must mean something, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. No, that's all super interesting stuff. I need to look into more honestly. And um, I, so going back to the, I guess, last question, I'm definitely not trying to steal from your episode or anything, but going off that grief thing, just to kind of weigh in from my personal experience um, real quick. So I actually live in my grandparents' old house and my grandpa actually passed away in the house. Um, it It was, you know, surrounded by family. It was peaceful and everything like that. But yeah, so he passed away in the house and I do have, okay, so the, their old bedroom, which is where my brother sleeps. That light will turn on constantly on its own. I have to, I literally, it's like a weekly thing. It always happens. And 
you know, part of me is just like, you know, maybe that's, that's them, you know, checking in or something like that, or, or that's just a sign of their presence or something, yeah. you know, is it that, or is it just like faulty wiring or something like that? I, I can't necessarily <laughs> definitively say. Um, yeah. so it's like, part of me is, is that hopeful part of, of just that that's their way of communicating and that they're still around, but it's, I guess, long story short, um, it is hard to say. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with it's, it can kind of, it's a little bit of both and go both ways. Cause it's really hard to definitively say one way or the other. So, um, yeah, I just want to share that real quick just cause, uh, I, I thought their question was really interesting. Well, to weigh in from my personal experience. Well, I, well, and honestly, I forgot, I kind of wanted to explain a little further into this thing. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So like the intentional energy that is, um, put up, like basically our intentions, and what Jay has found with all this stuff is that um, everything is made up of uh, tachyons, like photons, tachyons, um, like photons are light particles, right? Mm-hmm. And um, ions are electrical particles, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so now there's something called tachyons, which are more or less theoretical, but they're pretty like accepted, almost like uh, dark matter, right? Mm-hmm. So these tachyons apparently make up everything that exists and but like the tachyons they don't uh they're they're energy so they're not created nor destroyed they only change form so but that also means that they have always been and always will be and now when you start getting into like religion Mm -hmm. like that makes a lot of that like ties a lot of things together Honestly, because yeah. what if we all came, what if all the tachyons in the universe that were distributed and dispersed evenly across the galaxy or whatever, or across the entire universe, you know, what if we all came from one giant, like, tachyon cluster, for lack of a better term? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, what if there is this, still this giant cluster of tachyons that are, that every bit of us came from? You know, and they talk about, well, people, you know, in Christian, in Christianity, they talk about, you know, us being made in God's image. Mm-hmm. But, like, what if, I mean, that kind of makes sense, if that's the case. Yeah. But, like, those tachyons are also being put off by our thoughts, our intentions. Like, everything that we mm-hmm. think, every every emotion that we feel, everything gives off tachyons. And so, if we can focus right... I mean, especially in a in the case of a lost uh, loved one, you know, it's po- I think it's possible that that lost loved one could find their way back to that person because they can kind of see. It's almost like a like a light in the darkness in a way, like mm-hmm. the movie Insidious, right? Like you know, you got the dark the other. I think it's what she calls it. I can't remember what mm-hmm. she called it, but um, like the, he's in the darkness and then he sees his house lit up and it's the only thing that's lit up. So I think that that kind of, that could be the case. And I also think that once you pass, it might even be like, I would go back to where I know, you know, I would go and visit who I know and who I loved. And, you know, I, I feel like I would, if you didn't have anything else to do as a ghost, right. I mean, you'd probably right. visit things that would make you happy. So, I mean, mm-hmm. grandkids or, you know, children, you know, if they made you happy, they were your loved ones, of course, I mean, you're going to go check up on them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's multiple yep. aspects to it, really. 
Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I've actually never heard of tachyons. But um, I know we we talked pretty extensively in our previous conversation about dark matter. Find all of that really interesting and fascinating. But yeah, no, you you bring up a lot of good points with that. Like I I know in a previous episode, like when I interviewed Jeff Belanger, who's a head researcher of Ghost Adventures. Yeah, he was kind of tying the whole like paranormal world and spirituality uh, with religion in the sense of just like trying to answer the bigger questions, which I think was a really interesting parallel. But but also, too, it made me think as well about, you know, regardless of what you believe, if you're religious, if you're spiritual, whatever you want to classify it as. I mean, I think the argument can be made that that prayer is nothing more than just like intentional energy. You're putting your thoughts, your ideas, your your, yeah. your intentions out there towards a certain outcome or something happening, which can tie in, I mean, great with what you were just talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's like a big thing, you know, it, it, like, you know, even when you're in school or when whatever, and people tell you, OK, no, you have to you have to believe in it. You have to believe in it and it will happen. Yeah. Like that's that's what it means. Like, if, I think it is very true. The energy that you put off, obviously, is the energy you get back. And I mean, you call it karma. You can call it the cycle of life. You can call it whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, I think it is true. Yeah. Like you know, everything that we do, everything that we put off into this universe, comes back around. And like, if mm-hmm. you have the right intentions and you try to manifest, you know, you really just continue to put those thoughts out into the universe. I mean, it just might happen. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. And that actually ties in with another perfectly with another listener submitted question. So this one goes, sometimes when I go to antique stores, I will find items that give off a strange vibe, sometimes dark. I won't even touch the item. Now, is that anything that you've experienced at all, just personally? Personally, um, for me, no. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't really have like the abilities that other people have. Mm-hmm. I don't try to make myself out to be a psychic or a sensitive or anything like that because I know damn well I can't feel the heaviness in a room. Like, I can, <laughs> like, I can, you know what I mean? Like, some people, <laughs> right? I can feel tension. You know what I mean? Like, I can feel, like, mm-hmm. when two people are mad at each other, I can feel that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if I were to walk into an empty room, like, I could, I, I would not be able to feel the difference between this room and that room, except for, like, if there's a change in temperature. Hmm. I don't know what the heaviness feels like. I don't know what, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people are able to pick up on those things. But me, personally, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But, so I mean, like, a lot of, my wife, actually, she is uh, very good at picking up on that kind of stuff. And I know that she's, hmm. she, she regularly gets, like those kinds of feelings from items from locations you know and i think you know when you talk about estate sales right yeah estate sales are all all, uh persons who just passed all their all their possessions a lot of those possessions were with that person for decades you know or Mm -hmm. had a or was like a family heirloom or was like very close they were very close to that thing or that meant a lot to them yeah you know what kind of energy does that? I mean, that imprints in that item. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Like you know, when you you know when somebody else gets it, they may pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Especially if it was like a heavy or a darker type thing. You know, if that if that's what they're feeling. I mean, I would try to see if you can find out any history about the item. Mm-hmm. Especially if it, if it's in an antique mall. I mean, they got to know where they got it. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to do some digging, research if you really <laughs> want to find out. But like. I, that's what I would do. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree completely. And no, I like what you brought up there just about estate sales and everything too, to where, you know, one person may look at an item and just think it's just a, I don't know, just a, um, a dresser or something like that. But if that dresser had some sort of significance for whatever reason, I mean, we attach meaning and, and give energy towards things and essentially like charge it or give it some sort of, you know, just give it some sort of meaning in addition to what it, what it is, I guess. So, um, yeah, no. And, and definitely people are, some people are more sensitive to these items and can pick up on those things. And yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I wish I could sometimes, but I, <laughs> you know, sometimes I wish I could, you know, or I'm glad that I can't, you know, so, um, I, it's, I it's, yeah, I, I think it gives me a little bit of an easier time. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. It, it cracks me up because literally another listener question was, have you ever gotten emotional during uh, during an investigation or on site somewhere? So did you get like really angry or sad out of nowhere? But I, I take it that's a no. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I got really um, emotionally connected to a case hmm. a few years ago in Middle Point, Ohio. And it's still, uh, this kid's still missing. Uh, it was a missing person's case. And like, oh, yeah. I think I told you about this the first time with Corey Glosses. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I got that, that story last time, but yeah. Okay. No. And that wouldn't make sense to be emotionally tied to that case and that situation as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I kind of forgot about that one myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a, that was a rough one. So, I mean, when he's coming through the devices or we think he's coming through the devices and he leads us out to a specific spot and you know what I mean? And it just mm-hmm. so perfectly shaped. And then, uh, there's an update on this. I don't know if I've, uh, how long ago, I can't remember how long ago it is that we talked, but <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little over a year ago. So it's probably new information. <laughs> so, um, the guy who was, uh, the number one suspect, Dale, he, uh, was arrested. Like they had the FBI and the CSI out of his house. Like, well, not, was it the CSI? Yeah, they had the CSI, the FBI, and uh, the local sheriff's department at Middle Point out at his house one day, like over the, I think it was last summer, and they had like all kinds of cops and one of their big uh, FBI RVs, mm-hmm. and they were like, apparently they found a red bag in the laundry chute that was not there before, Oh, and apparently found some new DNA evidence, hmm. and so... Uh, he was arrested and charged with tampering with evidence in a federal investigation back in 2016. Oh, wow. And yeah, I didn't know all that, so, um, so now, no, I, I appreciate the update with all that. Well, but, the, I mean, you t- that tells you right off the bat he did, he had something to do with it. Whether he actually... Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> or he helped in some way or whatever, like, you know, I mean, if he tampered with evidence, you were involved somehow. Mm-hmm. there's something you did bro like what's going on man? <laughs> yeah jeez. no i i mean like it yeah i mean i'm glad that some sort of i guess progress was made in a sense to where some new light came to surface and that some sort of involvement or something was going on there because yeah and i can certainly understand how it'd be a very heavy case that you'd be very emotionally tied to so now that makes a lot of sense yeah, plus we got involved with the family. It just went a whole direction I did not want it to go. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah. No, I get that completely. Now, uh, I'm going to squeeze one more listener question in there, and I thought this one was pretty interesting. <laughs> is there a tell or sign when someone is, is lying about an experience being paranormal? Or, I guess, do you ever have a situation where you like you take it with a grain of salt or something when someone describes something? Or have you not really experienced much of that? Oh, my God. It's like everything. Like, <laughs> everything. I just, like, I... And it's not again. It's nothing personal against anybody, right? But you know, when you uh, like, okay, I can't tell you how many times I've had some random person come up to me. Oh, you're an investigator. Well, when I was a kid, you should check out my old my childhood home. It's like very haunted. I had all these experiences as a kid. Oh, do you uh, do you still have access to the property? Oh no, it was sold years ago. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, right. <laughs> and, I get it. Thanks for telling me your ghost story. I mean, trying to relate, but, uh, you know, after so long, it's so many different people, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I'm at this point, I doubt everything. I doubt every claim that everybody makes. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. Like I said, it's nothing against them, but like people exaggerate, people misinterpret. It's just natural. Mm -hmm. It's like a natural thing that people do. And so like, I, I have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, for sure. If I really want to be a good investigator and really want to get, like, I don't believe a damn thing until I see it myself. Yeah, no, and that's honestly a good way to approach things. I mean, you shouldn't take everything as fact. I mean, you should constantly be trying to debunk something because that just, you know, establishes credibility, too. Like, you got to look at things from a scientific perspective, and that's that's actually really similar to what the Wraith Chaser said when we were talking about that in in, in my interview with them previously, but something along the lines to where a bunch of people will show them pictures like, Oh, I got a bunch of orbs in these photos and whatnot. Like, okay, that's probably dust. You know, like it's, it's, it, there are like so many factors that can go into it. Like I'm, and they were basically saying like, unless I have video evidence and some capacity and some other things, like if it's a photograph, I'm not even going to look at it or, or <laughs> like, or, right. you know, um, definitively call it paranormal. Well, I don't even like, honestly, even when it comes to orbs, like I don't even, like, they're not even a thing in my mind. Like, I don't even look at them. I don't care. I don't, like, don't tell me about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even if it's a legitimate piece of, you know, and who knows, it could be a spirit. It could be, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's not, but if you're going to come to me with a piece of video or a photo of an orb, like, the, the hardest thing that you can do is trying to convince a skeptic that an orb in a picture or a video is a ghost. Yeah. doesn't matter how it moves. It does not matter because the air, like when it comes to dust and things that you can't really see like directly with your own eyes, mm-hmm. like that stuff gets picked up on those IR cameras and there's subtle air movements all the time all around us. It's like even when the air is still. Yeah. Like there's still microscopic things, you know, for, uh, changes in the air. And so they will push and move dust particles. Yeah. And I mean, and as much as like, even as crazy as it could be moving and acting and everything, I mean, unless it's going over to a light switch and flicking it on and off, Mm -hmm. like it's hard to really say, but even then you're hoping that you're assuming that the video isn't edited or, you know, tampered with, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it's hard anymore. Like, in order to get anybody to actually, cons- like, like a science uh, scientist or, like, a skeptic, in order for them to really, like, consider it, 
like you're going to have to come with hard data, mm-hmm. like constant data over a long period of time from every inch of that place uh, has to be covered, like with sensors, with audio and video, like they, and it has to be a controlled environment where like you don't have anybody coming in and out for like a month at least, maybe two months. Like it has to be mm-hmm. continuous for so long to show that there's like an actual anomalous event happening, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And and yeah, obviously, more things like that just establish credibility. Um, it makes it a lot easier to make the case that I think something weird is going on here. If you have more evidence backing it up, yeah. you know, video evidence, a very controlled environment. No, I, I agree completely. It's a uh, definitely much more credible than saying, Oh yeah, my, my childhood home was so haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any proof to any, any video thing? Yeah. No, but I totally saw like something in my closet once. Or, you know? <laughs> I, and I hate, and some people that might don't probably don't like this about me, but I am the most like skeptical. Like, I don't believe a single thing. Any of you say, <laughs> I, if I, <laughs> like if I didn't see it, if I didn't experience it myself, like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It was not, it did not happen the way that you said it happened. <laughs> <laughs> No, for sure. And honestly, I think that's just human nature. I mean, we have a tendency to fabricate things and just, you know, honestly, like uh, even look at like childhood and, and old memories like that, like with a certain fondness and we'll, you know, like embellish certain details or something yeah. like that. I think that's just kind of like in nature, kind of how we are sometimes. So it's yeah. it only makes sense that that crosses over into any sort of um, quote unquote paranormal experiences. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, for sure. But Awesome. Now, just kind of wrapping up with final thoughts and everything. I mean, do you currently have any upcoming events or projects you're working on right now that you're really excited about, I guess, in addition to what you're doing with the show? Honestly, no. Like, right now, <laughs> the show is uh, my main focus at the moment. I mean, once I get done and uh, once we get back to our break, then I'll be able to focus on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably uh, not going to be doing any more big events just a lot of work and a lot of time and detail with like nothing in return. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I've done it for a number of years and I just can't do it anymore. You know, I got bigger projects to work on that are more important than having, I mean, I think I'm doing, I'm doing an event with the race chasers in June of 2023. Okay. But I don't know where I want to have it yet. Like, I don't know anything yet. I haven't decided. I haven't thought about it. Gotcha, yeah. Honestly, I'm going to have to add that to my calendar, like, right now, because I really do want to go out to one of your events, especially if you're probably not going to be doing it much longer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I might do a small one here and there, Mm -hmm. but uh, definitely not going to be on the scale or frequency that I have been doing it for a long time. For sure. No, and you definitely went hard with them for a while. I mean, just like, I remember just previously looking at your events page and stuff. And I mean, you had stuff going on all the time. <laughs> like, you definitely went hard with it. Like, four or five big events a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like Jeez. four or five years. Yeah, it was intense. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Gosh, awesome. Now, I mean, is there anything I forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins and all that fun stuff? No, no, not really. I'm, I, I think we covered a good amount. Awesome. Yeah, no, this is honestly a lot of fun. And um, once again, just want to remind the listeners to check out those previous episodes because there's a ton of information we go over much more in depth than that one. But yeah, oh my gosh. Anyway, where can people find more information about yourself, Underground Paranormal Network, and anything else you want to plug? 
Well, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Underground Paranormal Network. You can just search it. It's three separate words. And then uh, I know where the Death Walker is uh, coming out in the U.S. very soon. I don't have exact details yet, but I, I'm from the way that they're talking, it sounds like we pretty much have a deal closed down. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can like Death Walker on Facebook. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's on Instagram or not, but definitely on Facebook. <laughs> Definitely on Facebook. You can follow for updates on there, and yeah, just be on the lookout. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely be on the lookout for that because I'm a sucker for anything in the paranormal field, any shows, anything like that. So, right. <laughs> no, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this. I mean, as you can probably tell, uh, I always love conversations centered around the paranormal and had a blast last time we did this. So I'm really glad we were able to make something work this time around. And yeah. yeah, wish you nothing but the best with the show and hope we continue to keep in touch, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to come back on uh, in the spring or something after uh, after we get some episodes out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have an update. Awesome. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> for sure. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, you have a good rest of your night. Yeah, you as well, man. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to the Paranormal Underground Network page, Deathwalker socials, and all the resources we discussed can be found in the show notes. And as promised, that strange audio clip can be heard directly after my spiel. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for Juxtaposed Journeys wherever you stream your podcast, And maybe tell a friend or two about the show. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, and it helps the show reach more listeners. It also keeps new episodes coming out. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, take a few minutes to fill out the questionnaire I have linked below. If you're a good fit, I'll be sure to get in touch with you to be featured on a future episode. I just ask that you have some patience, as I'm pretty backed up with any of your requests at the moment. So thank you to everyone who's reached out and has expressed interest in being on the show. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner, and music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring. No, yeah, no. Uh, the, the, the attachment aspect of the paranormal thing, I think, is... Uh, it's very subjective. I think it really depends on who you ask, uh, because I think that there are some things that, uh, like really, like some people will look at it and think that things are uh, following them home, or think that they have more activity happening in their home. Um, and I think a lot of that is just them psyching themselves out. Um, not to say that there isn't, uh, that there aren't people that uh, have spirits that follow them home from locations but it's one of those things like like I said yesterday I, if out of the thousands and thousands of people that have come through the locations they chose to follow you out of everybody they chose to follow you <laughs> mm.
Yep. Hmm. 